Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Whoa. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Whoa. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Welcome to Right and Wrong. This is the show where we try to wake up the woke by talking common sense about the issues of the day. Isn't that right, my friends? Well, I am your host, Brian Ruka, and with me as always over there is my friend and yours, producer Juice, holding it down over uh, over on the uh, clip machine, finding us all the good stuff that we uh, that we always like to listen to, and uh, popping in some sound effects and, and making this whole thing sound phenomenal. So keep up the good work, Juice. Really, really appreciate uh, all the hard work and effort that goes into the Right and Wrong podcast. Well, today we got a locked and loaded show, but before I get over to that, how about we hear from our friend over there, Producer Truth. What do you get to say to the people this week, Juice? And then there's this plain society that wants to hold you down. Strange times are these in which we live when the old and the young are taught falsehoods in school, and the person that does tell the truth is called a lunatic and a fool. But John Lennon said it a little differently. Being honest may not get you many friends, but it will always get you the right ones. And what I want you to do from this point forward, no matter if you hated what I said or the way I said it, is choose carefully the people that you associate with. Yes, yes, absolutely. Always straight fire and straight truth coming out over there from producer Juice. Keep up the good work, my man. Well, I guess it's a, a little bit of an accomplishment. We uh, we we flipped the page to episode number thirty this week. I guess it's an accomplishment. All these numbers kind of kind of start to get lost in the shuffle for me. But uh, I know me and the producer were talking the other day, and uh, and just like, wow, I can't believe we're about to make our thirtieth episode. Whoa! So uh, we couldn't do it without you guys. Uh, if nobody was tuning in, nobody was listening, that'd be pretty demoralizing. Uh, it would be just me talking in a closet and juice listening to it so we're happy to have you guys listening in joining in interacting with the show that gives us the uh energy excitement and the uh positivity to keep going let's go so uh, thank you everybody out there in the audience now with that being said please make sure to share the show with uh some of your friends so we can keep growing and keep going and uh make it even more successful we're on apple spotify uh youtube rumble all over the place. So please get the word out there. Give us a like, subscribe to the show over on Apple or Spotify, drop a little comment in the comments page, give us a five-star review, all that stuff helps, okay? So today's show, we're going to dive in a lot um, on a topic that I talk about often on this show, the transgender movement. Uh, I was lucky enough to be a part of a panel discussion, live panel discussion Tuesday night, with the, with the people over at WeThePatriotsUSA.org. They were the group that was going to uh, fund my lawsuit that I had, uh, that I was going to take out against the Boston Public School System for trying to teach uh, my fifth grade son that he could become non-binary or, God forbid, even a girl, uh, just in a simple English class. So you guys know that story already. But uh, today's episode, we're going to kind of dive into the, uh, that, that um, field, if you will, so it'll be pretty trans-centric today. We'll talk about some of the stuff that we touched on on the show. I'll give you a rundown, open up the window, peel back the onion, let you guys in on uh, Brian Ruka's personal Facebook page, and we'll see what kind of reaction I got for simply advertising that I was going to be a part of this panel. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what's going on with all that stuff. You know we're going to have some awesome rights and wrongs of the week. That's one of our most highly rated segments. Uh, nothing but positivity coming back from that. The people seem to love it. We get great, great reviews on the rights and wrongs. Uh, so we're going to keep those going and we're going to close out the show with the always fun and always popular. Come on, man. Segment of the day. So stay tuned, buckle up. It's going to be a fun show today. And, uh, I guess it's that time. Yes, my friends, you guessed it. Time to bring in our good friend, Ric Flair, because it is showtime, baby. Woo! Showtime! Woo! 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 
On today's episode, we're going to dive a lot into this issue of um, how we got to this point in our society and in the world these days, how we got to the point where people get to self-identify as whatever they want. How do we, we get to the point of people just deciding that one day they're a man, now the next day they put on a wig, wear some makeup, walk around in a dress, and now they're a woman. And not just a drag queen, someone who likes to dress up as a woman and like to uh, act like a character of a woman. No, 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 no. Actually is a woman now. So how do we get to that point? Where did this stuff start and, and what is at the root of the issue? It's my contention that this stuff started you know, probably 30, 40 years ago when we got to the point of you do you, man. If it feels good, do it. You know, if you want to want to do that, whatever makes you happy. There's no such thing as as roles anymore. There's no such thing as duty and honor. You can just be who you are, whenever you want to be. You can do whatever you want to do. And I know I've said it on this show before that that mindset is kind of good and bad. Like the you can be anything you want to be. Yeah, it's a great idea, a great philosophy. It's kind of cool to teach kids that, but there needs to be limits on it. You can't take it as, um, you, I guess you can't take it verbatim. Like, yes, you have the ability to work hard and make something of yourself. Hence, can be anything you want to be. You can make something of yourself here in this country. Be anything you want to be does not mean that all of a sudden you start tucking your penis and you're a woman. No. Or... Go find a doctor who takes the Hippocratic Oath to do no harm to people. Now completely go against that oath by lopping your healthy organs off, chopping the breast off of females so that they can now become men. That has gone too far, my friends. That is a slippery slope that has just continued to slip and slip and slip and go further and further and further. That's the problem with the entire uh, ideology out there in the world these days. Again, like it, I feel weird on this because people are going to try and say that I, I, I'm anti-gay or I don't like gay people. I could care less. We talked about stuff like this on last week's episode with the Scooby-Doo stuff in Velma. You can be gay if you want, but being gay should not be the entire definition of who you are and what makes you you. That's simply who you like to have sex with. You know, gone are those days, I, I think, in the in the beginning of the of the gay movement was... Whatever you do in uh, privacy of your bedroom, keep the government out of my bedroom, right? And now it's gone way past the bedroom into dance around in assless chaps in the middle of my street in the city that I live in because it's Pride Day, Pride Month, Pride Week, Pride Year, whatever it might be. And we're going down that same road with this nonsense, with the transgender BS. And it happens again. I'm sorry. sorry like It's a slightly t different topic, but they use the same rhetoric with abortion. Keep the government out of my doctor's office. And they're trying to do that with the trans stuff. Keep the government out of the psychiatrist's office. How would the government know what's best? And I'm sorry, you need to you need to keep these quack doctors from hurting children. You need to keep these children protected from their crazy parents who want to sign them up for this stuff. That's what the government needs to do. That's what we the people need to support and protect. And it's absurd that we've gotten to this point in the world. And like I said, that's where we're going with this episode. You're going to hear me talk uh, later on in the show. I'm going to tell you about the panel discussion that I was a part of with the people at wethepatriotsusa.org this past Tuesday night. And that was what the discussion was about. That's what was on the table is how did we get here? And one of the, I think one of the great points that got made along the way was that the people that, that support this stuff, the people that are you know caught up in this trans craze, they're narcissists. They're so self-absorbed that they don't care about anybody else. They don't care about the world they live in, the community they live in. They don't care about the children that are affected seeing this stuff. They don't care about their family members. They don't care about their church, if they even have a church. They don't care about the people they work with who now have to do, you know, deal with it. They don't care about the people that they make feel uncomfortable by going into the wrong bathrooms, by walking around in locker rooms naked with their junk hanging out. You know, the Leah Thomases of the world is so self-absorbed that he doesn't care that he's swimming in a pool against a bunch of girls and beating them because he's got these big-ass broad shoulders and he's a man competing against women. He doesn't care because he's the only thing that matters in his, his mind, in his world. It's all about him. And that's what this entire movement can be summed up as. 
people that are such egomaniacs that it all comes down to them and they don't care what it does to the rest of us. They don't care what message is out there because it's about them and you can't tell them anything. And you know what? If they go to a doctor who tries to tell them that, hey, you know what? This is not the right thing for you. You have a mental disorder. You have something wrong with you. What are they going to do? They're just going to stop going to that doctor and find one that will tell them what they want to hear. That's what's going on here. And we need to put an end to it. We do need to use the government to prevent doctors from doing that stuff. Do no harm. They seem to be doing plenty of harm to the rest of us. Not to mention the harm they're doing to these people that they're letting convert. That's not going to solve their issues. I've made this point a million times before. But if someone anorexic sees a doctor, sees a psychiatrist about it, they don't continue to let them live with that lie and call them fatty. Hey, Fatty McGee, thanks for coming to the office today. Wow, you are so gross and disgusting. You're such a blimp. Ugh, ugly, ugly, ugly. Meanwhile, the girl's sitting there 80 pounds soaking wet, throwing up after everything she eats. Well, that's bulimic, right? Anorexic, bulimic, same neighborhood. You let me slide on that juice? Okay, good. You get the point, though. They get to the deeper issue. What's the root cause of the problem here? Why do you see yourself like that? They don't continue to placate the lie. So when the guy comes into the doctor's office and says, I really feel like a woman, they shouldn't just be like, okay, great. Yeah, you are. Okay, awesome. We're going to set you up for a uh, Johnson removal next week and uh, start taking these pills. We're going to... uh Get your voice nice and high-pitched and um, put you on hormone treatments. Yeah, awesome. Perfect. Beautiful. Oh, here's, here's a prescription to go get some makeup. Go ahead. Ma'am. No, they should say, um, well, you're a man. Uh, let's, let's dig into the issue here. Why do you feel that way? What's really going on? Were you loved as a child? Were you physically abused? Were you molested? Because I guarantee that has a lot to do with some of this, too. Again, that's just me using common sense. I I don't have something to back up that, but I just, I have a brain. Uh, The show is called Right and Wrong because we're not sitting here trying to be credentialed doctors getting into this with everybody. We're just two guys that simply trying to protect our families, trying to protect our children from, from having to see this stuff and be taught this stuff and deal with this stuff. And I don't need a gender studies theorist in a a peer-reviewed paper to tell me that this stuff is wrong because I just know it is. So that's my hunch is that a lot of these adults that start doing this probably had some sort of sexual hang-up or molestation at some point in their lives or some other psychological issue. And this is the way they're trying to get out of it and express themselves or or whatever it may be, but they're not healthy, clear-minded, normal, rational people. So we need to stop treating them like that. And we need to stop treating this like it's a normal, rational thing because it's not. I'm sorry. I'm a little fired up over this stuff, but it's, it's just enough is enough already. And that's what we're going to be getting into today. So buckle up because it's going to be an interesting show today. All right, all right, all right. So why don't we uh, go ahead and jump on into those wrongs of the week. Uh, I think we're going to kick things off with the uh, former sports center anchor turned complete jackass activist um, wannabe important person, Keith Olbermann. And hear what he has to say about people that uh, display what he calls vaccine hesitancy. Juice? Number five. Booster shot. Mission accomplished. And it is. It is time to stop coddling them, the ones who won't get the damn shot already. And our first step, you and I, is symbols, the language we use. We call these people vaccine hesitant, vaccine skeptics, anti-vax. We say they're protesting mandates and passports. They're making a personal choice. They're waiting for more information. They're making a medical decision. Bullshit! They're afraid. They're afraid to get vaccinated. Stop feeding their egos about what they're doing. Stop legitimizing it. Vaccine hesitant. They're afraid. 
Vaccine skeptics? They're afraid. Anti-vax, they're afraid. They're protesting mandates and passports. They're afraid. They're making a personal choice. They're afraid. They're waiting for more information. Afraid. They're making a medical decision to be afraid. The snowflakes are afraid. Afraid of the vaccine. Afraid of being proved wrong. Afraid of doing what anybody else in the world tells them to do. Afraid of needles. So no more pleasant euphemisms about what's going on here, apart from the people who have legitimate medical complications about vaccines. We have to stop coddling the morons who will not get the shot. We start by calling them what they are. They are all snowflakes and cowards and idiots and losers. And most importantly, they are afraid. Wow. Uh, Yeah, that's what we call a deranged, out-of-control old man. Is he a baby boomer? Is that what he is? I don't know. He says everybody else snowflakes. I think he might be in the baby boomer thing, but either way, he's a tool! A tool! He's afraid of his own mortality because he's a tool! He's afraid to think for himself because he's a tool! He's afraid that he was a never-was and not even a has-been because he was never famous at all. And, again, he's a tool! That's pretty much all uh, all we got from Mr. Olbermann there. And I guess it could just be summed up in that exact thing right there. That's a man who's afraid of the flu. That is a man who's afraid to think for himself at all. And he just wants to scream and be outrageous. Sorry, Mr. Olbermann, but you're a tool! Next! I'm headed out. I'm going to go get my fifth booster, okay? Everyone do your part. All right, let's go to the number four rung of the week, and we will go to uh, Joe Biden's muscle over there in Congress, Nancy Pelosi. Let's hear what she has to say about the job that President Unity is doing these days. Juice? Number four. But in some cases, there's no substitute for experience. And I think that what we have been through with the legislation under the leadership of President Biden, who has done a spectacular job, he's had a better two years than most uh, presidents that you can name, certainly in the recent generations. (laughs) What? A better job than most presidents? I think she was going to say like, oh, and then she started like, realizing what was coming out of her mouth and was like, then uh, most uh, presidents uh, recently. I don't know if the recently means like just the one right before him because her boy Obama was the president for the eight years prior to that. So uh, I don't know. I would consider the last couple presidents to be presidents that would have served recently. And yes, Nancy, I do agree. Obama was not a very good president. Um, So if you are lumping Obama and Trump together, I don't know why she would, but seems like she thinks President Unity is just the best of the best because he puts those two guys to shame in her mind. Next. Just imagine, you know, Nancy Pelosi would have been gone in the 1980s if you had term limits. I mean, so. All right, let's go to KJP, Karine Jean-Pierre, who is the very extremely talented and extremely black, extremely lesbian uh, press secretary. There's no reason why she's there except for her ability to control a question, control a crowd, and uh, speak for the president. I promise. It's not because of those other two boxes that she checks. Uh, But let's hear what she has to say about our gas prices these days. Number three, wrong of the week. Juice? Number three. Every month, the typical two-driver family saves about $120 at the pump compared to where we were in mid-June. Everyday Americans uh, Americans save about $420 million at the pump compared to uh, mid-June. Um, is there a point there? What's she trying to tell us? Uh, I mean, we know that, that the president's draining the uh the emergency supply of gas that we have on hand in order to try to lower these prices a little bit before the midterm elections but i mean what were those prices before he came into power what were those prices before we had uh democrats controlling the white house the senate and the congress yeah why don't you think about that a little bit and maybe 
this wasn't the greatest point for her to make. Next. Sit down. All right, let's go to uh, Juice's dream governor, Stacey Abrams. I think he's really pushing hard for her to become the governor there in his great state of Georgia. Not. (laughs) I'm sorry, I just watched Wayne's World the other day. But she's pretty brutal. And let's hear uh, what she has to say on, on one of her justifications for abortion. Juice. Number two. But while abortion is an issue, it nowhere reaches the level of interest of voters in terms of the cost of gas, food, bread, milk, things like that. What can a governor, what could you do as governor to alleviate the concerns of Georgia voters about those livability, daily, hourly issues that they're confronted with? But let's be clear. Having children is why you're worried about your price for gas. It's why you're concerned about how much food costs. For women, this is not a reductive issue. You can't divorce being forced to carry an unwanted pregnancy from the economic realities of having a child. Wow. Right there, just right out in the open. Go ahead and saying it. Um, yeah. Don't worry about, uh, you know, gas is high, uh, eggs, milk, bread, that's all high. But you know what's going to be even worse is, God forbid, you try to have a family or you try to have children with these crazy prices. So you know what? I'm going to be a governor that's not going to work to try to lower those prices and, and get things back in line. I'm just going to be able to uh, open up the door for you to just murder those babies before you even have those babies. You can get rid of them because God knows we can't do anything about this uh, milk, bread, eggs, gas prices that we have going on. Want me to stop that? <laughs> get out of here with that. Come on. No way. But what I can do for you is open up the doors to those abortion clinics and make it abortion on demand because that, my friends, is going to save you a ton of money in the long run. Next. And not having the money to pay for it. Not a joke. Think about it. Think about what you'd think about. All right. Let's go to the number one wrong of the week. And we're going to go right to our uh, very talented vice president, Miss Kamalama Ding Dong. Juice. Number one wrong of the week. What are some parts of the Inflation Reduction Act, this this amazing new law that you are most excited about? So, I mean, so much. So I'm, I'm one of the things that I'm very excited about is what we have been doing in terms of electric vehicles. Um, and I, I have a particular fondness, I must tell you, for electric school buses. I love electric school buses. <laughs> I really do. And we're manufacturing them in our country. I've been to the manufacturing plants. I've, I've been on these electric school buses. And think about it. Aside from the pandemic, on a daily basis, 25 million children in our country every day go to school on those diesel-fueled school buses. And hundreds, thousands of school bus drivers are driving those buses which are then these people, these children, these adults, are inhaling what is toxic air. So graceful and eloquent as always. It's interesting that she's been to these electric bus manufacturing plants, uh, but refuses to go to the border when she's the border czar in charge of doing something about the illegal immigrants that are coming in by the millions into this country. Um, and it, it, just the beginning of it's hilarious because she's sitting there on a panel and like surprised that somebody even asked her a question. I mean, she's the only one on there. It looked like two college students that were there like to ask questions and she's sitting across from them and they ask a question and she's like right off the bat. Uh, 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 uh. See, the thing about um, ethics, uh, you know, business ethics is, you know, like the guy from Billy Madison surprised that he actually got a question and she goes into this whole little rant and starts doing the head nod thing and smiling and laughing because she's just trying to come up with something to say and that's her her that's her tell when you know she doesn't know what she's talking about she starts bobbing the head nodding even more and then throws in a laugh because she was that girl on that bus, breathing in that diesel, along with all those other <laughs> school children and humans and 
drivers with the buses uh, breathing air because air is out there in the world. And I love electricity. <laughs> right? Right? I mean, there's things that are electric, and we want buses to be electric, and I love electric toasters. <laughs> I love electric toothbrushes. I even love that electric shock you get when you touch somebody's shoulder and you get a little electric shock. <laughs> Incredible, incredible stuff from the Vice President of the United States. And that'll do it for the wrongs of the week this week. I hope you enjoyed them and uh, look forward to bringing them back to you again next week. Next! <laughs> Everybody's laughing. <laughs> So what I'd like to do in this segment is um, examine roles in society. My eyes were opened when I watched the documentary, What is a Woman? by Matt Walsh, when he traveled to Africa and he met with the uh, African tribe that lived there and talked to them about like, you know, if somebody identifies as a woman or, or a man and they all kind of like laughed at it. It was crazy. And he asked them what roles were. And they simply said, like, the, the role of a man is to be the man and the role of the woman is woman like a woman has its own duty and a man has its own duty and a lady cannot duty the duty of a man and a man cannot do a duty of a woman it's that simple and roles are a good thing like i think the feminist movement i think um the the culture that's been created over the last you know 50 some odd years has convinced people here in america that um traditional roles that we play as individuals, as uh, men or as women, as children, as fathers, mothers, brothers, or sisters, don't mean anything. And that's just simply not true. Roles are a good thing, and there's always exceptions to every rule, I before E except after C. But in general, it's it's good to have a, a structure um, in a society that, that its members understand their roles within that society and, and how to perform those those duties. So I'm a man. My role is to be the the father, the protector, the provider, the the man in the in in my family. And you know, I'm not the most successful at that. I try, but uh, you know, from time to time I might need the missus to come kill a spider or something like that. And and it's something I'm not proud of, but it happens and, and those are a little bit of the exceptions to the rules sometimes. You know, she she plays the role of mother phenomenally. She's awesome at it. Nobody's more caring, more nurturing. Uh, she really, really, really takes care of our entire ho household. She makes the place look great. Um, there's always some sort of scented candle or something that she's got, like some sort of contraption. She decorates the place well. We got Halloween stuff all over the place. She's got uh, Christmas decorations that go up right at... Uh, Maybe Thanksgiving night, she's got uh, those Halloween stuff starts going out on Labor Day. You know, we're going to be celebrating and decorated for St. Patrick's Day right after Martin Luther King Day. Oh, actually, sorry, right after Valentine's Day. See, she's got something for everything. So uh, it's a really nice vibe in the house. She really nurtures our children. She's she's just a great mother, and she embraces the role of, of being a, a woman, being a wife, being a mother. And that's a good thing. And too many people have been convinced that 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 stuff's not important or that stuff doesn't matter. And it absolutely does. And it was interesting because um, the doctor that was on the panel with us, Dr. Mark uh, McDonald, he kind of touched on some of this and, and couldn't help but notice that a lot of um, a lot of the people pushing the trans agenda are women. And, and it's doctors, uh, teachers, guidance counselors therapists, like like people in those roles that, you know, are, are, are leading children down this path. And, you know, he even mentioned that, like, hey, listen, I'm not here to just, I'm not trying to say it's all women because he was like, the men equally are at fault here because they're sitting back and just 
not being masculine about any of this. They're, they're just sitting back and being quiet or they've been removed from the house because, because of divorce or, or single family, you know, single parent households all over the place. And that affects the entire society that we live in. And I think he's right on that. And one of the things that, that stood out to me was, was when he mentioned, um, he said something along the lines of women not embracing that role of, of like that maternal instinct. He was kind of um, asking the question almost like, why is it uh, being pushed pretty heavily from groups of women when naturally like you would think that they would want to be the ones to protect these kids and save these kids and, and watch out for these kids that are being led uh, down this down this horrible, horrible path. And it struck me, and, and I brought this up um, the same night later on, but I think part of that reason is because women today, men too, all of us in, in the world we live in, have grown up in a culture that considers abortion a strength. That's a, that's a strength of a woman. That, that's being a strong, independent woman, right? Shout your abortion. Be proud of it because you did that and, and, and you know what's right for you. And to me, that's teaching people right off the bat that you don't need a maternal instinct. You're going completely against your maternal instinct by doing that. That is the time you're supposed to protect. Like that baby is inside your body, inside your stomach to be protected by you until it's until the baby's ready to come out into the world nine months later. So that baby is dependent on that mother's maternal instinct. That baby literally can only survive by that mother protecting it, nurturing it, and caring for it. Yet, we live in a world that tells you, hey, if that's inconvenient, if you don't want that responsibility, if you don't want to deal with that, hey, just go right to this doctor's office. We're going to we're gonna um, inject you with some drugs that are going to go directly into your baby. It's going to kill your baby. We're going to proceed to crush the baby's skull and force you to deliver that now dead fetus and don't worry don't try to protect it because you do you my friend that's great that's wonderful you are so brave and heroic so think about the the twisted message that that's sending to people and this has been going on now for quite a while so we have whole generations of people now that are adults that are grown that have been programmed taught in you know, groomed into believing that this is healthy and, and something to be proud of and accepted. So all these things that we often talk about here matter and they make sense. That's why the more important issues are these culture issues. It affects everything. Politics are downstream from culture, right? So the culture that we create, that we live in, that we embrace that is going to directly affect the laws, the regulations, and the ability that the politicians uh, have or the control that the politicians have, I guess. So until we work on some of this stuff at home, until we can improve our society, until we can reinstill the roles that a strong family plays on our culture, uh, we're going to continue down this path. And that's why I do what I do. That's why producer Juice does what he does. And it took us having our own families, having kids of our own, being married, going through this stuff to realize it and to be woken up to it. And we're hoping to wake up the woke out there <laughs> and, and get to some people maybe before they get to the point that me and him got to and start seeing this a little bit sooner in their lives. For a man, he has a penis. For a woman, he has a vagina. And here we are. We've come to that point in the show where we get to bring you the five rights of the week. We already had the wrongs earlier on. Well, here's some positivity to this uh, this whole side of the equation. It's a little bit of yin and yang here on the right and wrong show, I guess. So uh, here we go with the number five. Right of the week is going to be right there in Juice's backyard. You know, we had the wannabe governor of Georgia earlier, and now we have um, one of the sit-in congresswomen of Georgia, Marjorie Taylor Greene. 
and hear what she had to say to this uh, moderator during a debate that she recently took part in. Juice? Number five. What is your process for fact-checking and vetting the things that you say in public? I, the, the things I say in public are the truth, and that's why they're so offensive to Democrat activists in the media just like you. And you're asking me a blanket question with no example. I stand by the things that I say. I stand by saying that we need to secure our border, that we need to protect all of our freedoms and our rights, that we need to stop the America last Democrat communist policies that are destroying our country. I stand by the words that I say. They're just offensive to Washington, D.C. and the swamp creatures there because the words that I speak are the same as as Americans back home, the same as people in Georgia's 14th district. And the words that I speak are the truth. And you want to know something, Josh? Sometimes the truth hurts and Washington deserves to hear it. We're over 31 trillion in debt. Our government has failed the American people. And right now, this administration has us on the verge of a nuclear war with Russia, where they care more about funding a war in Ukraine than they care about protecting Americans, helping homeless people on the streets and securing our border and stopping fentanyl from killing young people in America. (laughs) I mean, right there, I'll admit, I'll tip my cap. That's um, a talented politician right there, because. Uh, she didn't directly answer like his question, but that's on him for asking a stupid question. He asked a vague, stupid question, and he allowed her to flip the script and make herself look good by defending the fact that she wants to protect our country, defend our borders, um, think about America first. She was able to do all that just in his his uh, quote-unquote gotcha kind of a question. I mean, she's right. He should have asked her a specific question. You said X. How did you get to that? Boom. Why did you determine X, Y, Z? Instead, he just made this blanket uh, statement to try to label her as a, uh, you know, like crazy, kooky conspiracy theorist. But he just allowed her to jump right in and, and put it back in his face and continue to promote the positive things that she's trying to do in Washington, D.C. So good job, MTG. Next. I didn't know about the swamp creatures being as bad as they are. They're bad. All right, and let's go to um, another hopeful governor out there in the state of Arizona. Uh, Hopefully soon to be Governor Kerry Lake, who is phenomenal. I could watch clips of her all day. She's great. Uh, And I know that's Juice's girl. He's the one who really turned me on to some of her her better stuff that that she's done. But why don't we... uh, Get a little snippet of one right here. So, number four. Juice? Number four. You know, I, I did a little, actually, Anthony. Anthony, how old are you? 20. Are you a journalist? No. Well, you did better research than half these people. Um, let's talk about election deniers. Here's 150 examples of Democrats denying election results. Oh, wow, look at this. This is from, this is from uh, Joe Biden's press secretary. Reminder, Brian Kemp stole the gubernatorial election from Georgians and Stacey Abrams. Democrats saying that. Is that an election denier? Oh, look at this. Just heard Republican Ryan Costello said it would be difficult for Stacey Abrams to win because she lost her state bid, but yet she's still claiming she never lost. This is outright Hillary Clinton. Trump is an illegitimate president. Is she an election denier? This one says, was the 2016 election legitimate it now definitely is a question worth asking that's the los angeles times so it's okay for democrats to question elections but it's not okay for republicans it's a crock of bs every one of you knows it we have our freedom of speech and we're not going to relinquish it to a bunch of fake news propagandists if you want a copy of these i'm sure that we're anthony would help you get a copy and help you learn how to be journalists but look it up it's been happening for a long time. Since 2000, people have questioned the legitimacy of our elections. And all we're asking is that in the future, we don't have that have to happen anymore. When I'm governor, excuse me, when I'm governor, we're going to make sure we have honest elections. We want the Democrats, the independents, and the Republicans to all know that their vote counted. We want fair, honest, and transparent elections. And we're going to deliver that for the people. But just remember, guys, 
This is one page after Hillary Clinton says George W. Bush was selected president, not elected. So let's start. If you're going to start throwing around terms like election denier, let's remember who the other election deniers were. Hillary Clinton and all the Democrats. Yep. I mean, that's right in front of your face. We see it. You see it. I see it. Juice sees it. We all know it. Uh, Democrats are hypocrites, plain and simple. They always have been, always will be. And it's a breath of fresh air when politicians turn it around and, and make them eat their own words. Next. Hillary Clinton is a crook. All right. We're going to go over t- uh, across the pond to this doctor over in the UK who uh, has been very vocal and speaking up about um, some of the possible dangers and side effects of uh, taking the vaccine. So uh, YouTube, I want you to make sure that you listen to this clip and know that he um, he says likely links instead of um, definitively stating it because there still needs to be more research done about this stuff. And that's one of the main points about these vaccines. Not enough research, not enough long, long-term testing yet. So, Juice, you ready for this one? Number three. It is my duty and responsibility as a consultant cardiologist and public health campaigner to urgently inform doctors, patients, and members of the public that the COVID mRNA vaccine has likely played a significant role or been a primary cause of unexpected cardiac arrests, heart attacks, strokes, cardiac arrhythmias, and heart failure since 2021 until proven otherwise. I mean, no harm in that, right? Let's make sure we know what we're doing here. And I'm just going to stop right there so I don't uh, end up going too far with my thoughts on this. And hopefully this made it past the very left-wing, very liberal, very uh, progressive-leaning fact-checkers over there on YouTube. And hopefully they won't take this episode down like they have in the past whenever we talk about this issue. Next! It just makes common sense. All right, the number two right of the week is going to go to uh, this girl who made a TikTok. Um, it was either TikTok or Instagram. I don't know. These things are all the same to me. Instaface, my my book, uh, Twitter, whatever they are. Remember Belichick saying that? All right, I'm going going off on a on a side ramble. But this girl is a Christian, and she simply um, put this video up speaking up against uh, transgenderism. So. Let's hear what she had to say. Juice? Number two. So I had a lot of people on the left come after me over the weekend because of a tweet I made about the female anatomy, that men cannot be women because they can't. Changing your pronouns, playing dress up, cutting off your genitals does not make you a woman. Never did, never will. If trans women were real women, you wouldn't need the title trans, now would you? But somehow I'm a hateful Christian for stating the obvious. Standing up for God's design of male and female does not make me a hateful Christian just because you feel offended. It's not your job to reconstruct what you think you are and expect people to play along. You're upset? Take it up with God. Or science. They both back it up. But I'd be doing a disservice to myself and to you by pretending that a lie is the truth for the sake of not offending anyone instead of living apart for Christ in a world full of evil. The truth of the gospel will hurt people's feelings. But I have just as much of a right as anyone else to talk about my beliefs and I will not be curbing it just because you might take offense. Truth hurts, but it does not equal hate. Yep. Absolutely. And uh, we're definitely going to get a little bit more into that topic in our next segment. So I will, uh, you know, simply let her have the stage for that and and just say amen. Next. (laughs) I like that. I'm going to steal it. That's mine now. All right. And the number one red of the week is going to go to Tampa Bay Buccaneers coach Todd Bowles. He was asked by a reporter a question uh, the other day because a different team, the Carolina Panthers, fired their coach and uh, inserted a uh, a man, Steve Wilkes, as the interim head coach, and he happens to be a black coach. So this reporter asked Bowles, who's also black and the head coach of the Tampa Bay Bucks, uh, a virtue signaling type of question about um, the amount of black head coaches in the NFL. And Bowles' response was epic. So, Juice? Number one. Right of the week. You you and Mike Tomlin are two of the few black head coaches in the league. I wonder what your relationship is like with them and your thoughts on Steve Wilkes joining that fold. I have a very good relationship with Tomlin. Uh, we don't look at what color we are when we coach against each other. We just know each other. I have a lot of very good white friends that coach in this league as well, and I don't think it's a big deal. 
as far as us being coaching against each other, I think it's normal. Wilkes got an opportunity to do a good job. Hopefully he does it. And we coach ball. We don't look at color. But you also understand that representation matters too, right? And that when young aspiring coaches or even football players, they see you guys, you know, they see someone that looks like them, maybe grew up like them, that has to mean something. Well, when you say you see you guys and look like them and grow up like them, it means that we're eyeballs to begin with. And I think the minute you guys start stop making a big deal about it, everybody else will as well. Yep. And, um, you know, it seems like we have a little bit of a theme here on the Right and Wrong show. Last week, we had that guy talking in the school board where he kind of said the same thing. Why don't we let this stuff uh, go and stop talking about it, promoting it and pushing it on all of us? And I don't think people are going to be seeing things this way anymore. But it's the people that want racism to remain and want to stoke those fires of division. They're the ones who are always bringing it up, talking about it. This man's simply saying, I'm a football coach. I don't really care. I have players that are white, black, brown, yellow, all over the place. It doesn't matter. It matters that they want to play football and they're good football players. It matters that I'm a football coach and I want to coach football. That's it. So great job, Todd Bowles. And I'm glad that most people in his position would have taken the bait and gone on and, 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 you know, helped keep that divide going. So I'm very glad that he was able to uh, speak his mind and, and I'm glad that he looks at it uh, a normal, reasonable way. Next. Oh, no, I do not watch NFL football. Uh, sometimes I'll watch the national anthem if some of the black players are kneeling, though. And that'll do it for the rights of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for participating in these. I hope you enjoyed them, and we will bring you some more of them next week. Well, I've said this plenty of times, and I will uh, definitely say it again, that me and uh, the Truth Box over there, Producer Juice, we are amateurs at this. Uh, I definitely appreciate having a following, having a little bit of an audience here with us, but we just started doing this in March because we were fed up with what was going on around us, and you know, the two of us have full-time jobs. We, we both have a wife and two kids. We have things to do with our families. You know, we're, we're busy guys. We have lives that, just like everybody else out there. So we try to do this as hopefully, you know, in my mind, I would love to get picked up and be able to do this full-time. I would love somebody to discover the show and allow us the opportunity to provide five days a week coverage of the Right and Wrong show. That's the dream. But I realize we're not there and that's probably down the road a little bit and it's going to take some work to get there. But I say that because we're not, you know, marketers. We're not social media whizzes, I guess. We each have personal Twitter pages. We have like a show Facebook page kind of threw together a YouTube page that we try to manage. But this stuff is we're teaching ourselves as we go with all of this stuff. So it's clunky. It's not easy. It's, you know, it, it's trial and error with a lot of this stuff. And we're trying to improve with some of it. And we're trying to figure out how to do it. But a lot of that side of it is how to get the show out there in front of more people, you know, make it look cool, look good, all that stuff. So that side of things is definitely a challenge. I kind of say that to let you know that I still have, you know, like a personal Facebook page. I don't really use it all that much. My wife's on hers a little bit more with pictures of the kids and family and stuff like that. But I'll throw up things about like an episode when we drop it, stuff like that. And, you know, I have a solid group of four or five people that I get thumbs up from and it's no big deal, whatever. I get it. But the interesting thing is every once in a while, I'll put something up there that's a little bit controversial and it starts to get some comments and some some stuff pops off. And that's exactly what happened this week when all I did was post the flyer for the event that I was a part of this past Tuesday night, the event we've been talking about during this episode. You know, same thing. Get a couple of thumbs ups. That's about it. And then I see one of those crying face emojis in a comment. I'm like, hmm. Comments from uh, somebody that I used to work with in my 20s years ago in the restaurant business. And she simply writes, it's sad to see that you're sponsoring hate. And I, I just shook my head and couldn't help. And of course, fire away with a comment about, uh, you know, I mean, how is that hateful? I think it's a hell of a lot more hateful to completely lie to children that are mentally ill and tell them that 
you know, they in fact are a boy when really they're a girl or vice versa. What's more harmful, hurtful, and hateful? I still go back to one of the one of the best points I think you can make with this stuff is does a doctor do these same people tell an anorexic person that yeah, in fact they are fat, ugly, and obese? No, you tell the anorexic person what's going on. You ask them. You say what what's the deeper meaning here? Why do you hate yourself? Why do you see yourself as fat and ugly when you weigh fifty pounds? This is the same thing. It's a psychological mental illness. Or as it's become a social contagion. It's people, the, these kids looking for attention now, and what better way to get it? What if you come from a broken home or, or your parents don't pay attention for, to you and, and you're neglected and maybe even picked on or something? Now you come out, you identify as trans, everybody's going to be kissing your ass. It's crazy. It's so obvious. But I guess the point of bringing this stuff up is it's not fun. Like I, I would, I'd prefer everybody in my life to like me. I don't, I don't know if that's just me or everybody feels that way, but I understand obviously doing what I'm doing, that's not going to happen. And I'm fine with that. It still just, just boggles my mind that people come out of the woodwork to just try and, I guess, lack of a better term, bully me into not wanting to speak like this or talk about things like this or go on uh, panels like the one I, I just went on. The other one that, that jumps out to me is anytime I bring up stuff like this, it's usually the uh, topics like trans stuff and abortion. I have a, uh, a former administrator from the high school I went to that I'm like a Facebook friend with. She always happens to jump on there and write negative comments about me. One of the things I said uh, during the back and forth over this issue is the irony is not lost on me that this person was... In her 20s, when I was in high school, when I was 16, 17, 18 years old, she's in her 20s, you know, one of the one of the quote unquote, like you thought, oh, cool administrator, like, so you could get pop your head in the office and, and it wasn't like a grown up grown up. So you could kind of relate to her a little bit more, which is fine. I think all schools have stuff like that. But I went to a Catholic high school and this woman, based on the stuff I see now in her life, could be anything but Catholic. The thing that I, I wanted to know when I, I tried to question when she was trying to hammer me over joining a panel to discuss, simply discuss trans agenda teaching within our public schools, why she had a job at a Catholic high school where she was supposed to be molding minds and influencing the younger generation when she clearly doesn't believe in the Catholic faith or or buy into what's taught and and what's you know what's accepted in that religion. Like what are you what are you doing? I think my parents, all the parents that that send their kids to Catholic schools send you to a school there because they want you to be taught the teachings of the Catholic Church. It it's kind of like a deeper issue that I've definitely been thinking about for a while. And it's like what good is a Catholic school if the people that are teaching in the Catholic school don't buy in and believe in what they're teaching, or if they just blatantly teach something differently. And, you know, we can expand that thought onto all forms of education. The teachers, the, the administrators, they can say and believe one thing in front of parents, but what are they teaching? What are they, what are they really thinking when you peel that, that onion back a little bit? And that's something interesting. Another example I have on, on the teachers in Catholic schools, and it still sticks with me. Now, back home, back up in Boston, I used to go to daily mass a lot. I loved it. It, it, was, it was pretty cool because, uh, you know, it'd be me and four other like old people. And it was cool because it's like a very personal feel to it. You know, I can be a little bit, a little bit spoiled and grumpy at times. I know, shocker, I get it. But it's funny that every once in a while where I went, like once a month, it would be the elementary school would go to mass as well. So I know personally, if I walked in and I knew it was like a school mass, I'd be like, oh man, because then it's like, it's, it's full. All the kids are there and you know, I'm easily distracted. Even though I'm, I'm 37 years old, I, uh, I, I guess I still have trouble focusing all the time. So when you're walking in expecting it to be five, six people in there, and now all of a sudden the place is almost full. 
And then you got like parents showing up too to, to watch because the kids do the readings and stuff like that. Uh, it, it's kind of like a packed house. When I'd go to those masses though, I couldn't help but notice because again, told you easily distracted. My mind would stop wandering. I couldn't help but pick out the teachers in the group. And I would say 90% of the teachers looked like they were rather be anywhere other than church at the moment. Um, most of them didn't know when to stand, when to nail, when to sit. Most of them weren't saying anything. They weren't giving amens or, or, you know, saying the prayers that they're supposed to be saying. They're just going through the motions, mumbling them. And it struck me as like, what kind of an example does that teach to these kids, to the, to the kids that you're teaching in the Catholic school that you teach at, that you don't even know what steps you're supposed to be taking in church, in mass. You're not responding. We'd have to have the, the priest a few times say like, what was that? Like he'd do it like as a joke because nobody would say like, amen, where you would think all these kids would belt it out. That struck me too. And and I think I can link those two things to the same Catholic school teacher that I had that now wants to try and pick me apart on Facebook for being a part of a discussion about transgenderism in our schools. It's part of what's wrong in the education system these days. You know, you want you want the people that are teaching the things that you want to be taught. You want them to be bought into those teachings. That's something we definitely, definitely need to work on. And at the end of the day, all the people that want to jump in and call me a bully or hateful or a transphobe are really just people that don't want the truth to be spoken, that don't want to have conversations and can't defend their position. So instead, they revert to name-calling. They revert to trying to bully and silence the people that are willing to put themselves out there to stand up and to speak the truth. All right, ladies and gentlemen, well, we've reached that point in the show where it's uh, everybody's favorite segment. You guys all get excited for this. I know all about that. And uh, it's the one that we like to call the Come On Man segment of the day. And today we're going to go to someone who was actually just invited to the White House. This uh, guy who prances around calling himself a girl now, and his name is Dylan Mulvaney. And you may have seen him a little bit trending on uh, Twitter, social media, or making the rounds because he's been featured in this podcast, I guess, that he hosts with another man who calls himself a woman. And their job on the podcast is to talk about um the experience of femininity the experience of being a woman and what it's like to be female in today's world and they try to sell beauty products i think on the uh, podcast as well so yeah this person's been making the rounds and mr dylan got famous uh internet famous i guess by broadcasting recording and taping his journey from man to woman and posting the adventures along the way and documenting them. I think a video a day on his quote unquote transformation to womanhood. Um, I mean, we see these videos and just see somebody slowly losing their mind, becoming deranged and uh, living in a fantasy world, yet getting likes and claps and retweets and now invitations to the White House for it. So we got a couple of these clips to play for you. So we're going to break them down a little bit. And uh, we'll, we'll just start with this one from Mr. Dylan. Juice. And here's what I've learned so far. Six, seven, Women are awesome, but can also be cruel. I'm doing my best. And boys, they kind of drool. My hormones are wild and my boobs kind of sore. It's only day 200. We have so much more to experience together. We're just getting started. Thank you for being my friend. You're open-hearted. I don't feel so alone. No more shame and carefree. Being a girl is awesome. Would you agree? Woohoo! Woohoo! Love ya! This guy's insane. He's absolutely lost his mind. And the problem is we live in a culture and a society and a world these days that makes people like that feel like 
There's nothing wrong with them. Feel like this is normal. Feel like this is uh, supposed to be happening. 30 years ago, this person wouldn't have had this outlet to share all these things online and get all these uh, sympathy thumbs ups and likes and virtue signal clapbacks from people. He wouldn't have been able to feel like he had a whole community that supports him. Now with, with the way the internet works, there's a, there's a little culture and a world for every one of these freaks that's out there. And I'm sorry, this person, he is a freak. Simply put, I'm not trying to be mean because he's mentally deranged, clearly. But I also don't want to keep allowing this stuff to happen and and just shrugging your shoulders and giving it the old you do you attitude because it's not anymore. This stuff is infecting the entire world that we live in. And it's people like that. They're going to be trending on TikTok and Facebook, Twitter, all these things that your teenage kids are going to be on. That your kids in high school, that your your college age kids are, are all going to gravitate to and grow up in a world where they think that this stuff is fine and normal. And you know what? God forbid they're a little awkward, weird, looking for attention. They're going to follow the playbook that, that Mr. Dillon followed to get himself invited to the freaking White House with President Unity. What about this one with him uh, prancing around in the woods? If you didn't know anybody, you would have thought this was an SNL skit. Juice? Day 66, being a girl, and today I'm in nature. Trees, I love them. Water, lakes, I love them. Heels, they're my hiking heels. I love them. Bridges, love them. Coconut water, love it. Not nad, just love it. Wind turbine, love it. Meadows, love them. I'm scared of getting Lyme disease. Love ya. Ah! Oh. Did you see that? I gotta get out of here. Did you see that? It's a dragon. Oh my god. Never again. Get me out of here. Love ya. Yeah, I, I don't understand how women aren't just pissed off about this. That should be a slap in your face. This guy's walking around like a caricature of a, of a female. What he thinks a female's supposed to be or do or think. Uh, if you didn't know any better, I'm, honestly, I just said it, but that seems like it should be an SNL skit. In fact, I think they used to do that skit back in the day. Remember that one, Juice? With like uh, with David Spade and, and I think Farley and Sandler. Where they'd be like the, the high school girls sitting, in the, uh, sitting at like the burger joint. Just like making fun of people and and being sassy. Christy, listen to yourself. I hate to see this happen to you. You're my best friend. Remember the one in, in Farley who's lay off me? I'm starving. <laughs> Diet starts Monday. Like that stuff, that whole thing. Yeah, that's what this guy's doing. But it's not a skit anymore. 25 years ago, it was, it was done for laughs and giggles on, on late night television. Now it's reality. It's someone walking around who really thinks that that's, that's real life. Love it. Woods, love them. Trees, love them. Wind turbines, love them. Coconut water, love it. Not nad, just love it. I mean, I got to admit that that little, little line had me laughing. But again, if it was a joke, it'd be funny. This guy's serious, though. And that's the sad thing. And what about the, the last one that, that's been going around? This one from that podcast that I mentioned. So this is two guys that are dressed like women, calling themselves women, who want to try and sell makeup to, to other women and talk about, you know, what it means to be a woman these days and, and this, that, and the other thing. And this is what Mr. Dylan had to say on that podcast. Now I know I can find love. I know I can still be a performer. I know that I can have a family. I want to be a mom one day. And I absolutely can. And that's why the narrative still has a long way to go. Because when I was grieving Boy Dylan, I didn't know those things were even accessible to me. Mr. Dylan, I'm sorry to tell you, you will never find love. You will not be a mother. You can't do it. I don't think you will ever find love because I don't think you know how to accept yourself. I don't think you know how to love somebody else because you're so 
wrapped up in your own fantasy world and your your own ego and self gratification that there's no way you could ever put somebody else higher than you. You just can't do it. You don't have that capability. You're mentally gone. You're that far out there. And it's going to take a lot of help, a lot of um, coming back to the real world, a lot of soul searching, and a lot of um, swallowing your own pride to understand what it takes and what it means to love somebody else. Because we clearly know you love yourself quite a bit. You're very infatuated by yourself, and you're very um, fond of yourself. You're just not very self-aware. You don't really get how to uh, be a member of society. And for that, Mr. Dylan, you, my friend, have earned yourself one big, fat, classic. Come on, man. And that's our show for today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much again for joining us for episode number 30. It's uh, something we're pretty proud of. And like I said earlier, we couldn't do it without you. So please keep spreading the word out there. Tell your friends and family. Give us a like uh, and a follow on Apple and Spotify. And throw a little comment in the comment section, please. Haven't had a comment on Apple since Fifth Starter hooked us up with one. So I know you're out there. Give us a little love. Give us a five-star rating, okay? And uh, I guess that's all I got. So until next week, thanks for having me. The Right and Wrong Show is produced by Juice. Executive producer, Juice. Audio mixer is Juice. Hair by Skull Shavers. Wardrobe and Makeup by Ashley Ruka. Right and Wrong Song created by Juice. The Right and Wrong Show is copyright 2022 from Brian Ruka.